The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Radiate Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, Christy Clemens Hoffman. Each week, we will discuss tools, tips, and ways to radiate your best life ever, interviewing practitioners, authors, and luminaries to help you on your path. Wellness, joy, peace, abundance. What do you want to radiate? Hello and welcome back to the Radiate Wellness Podcast. Today we radiate courage with Jesse Gray of Flying Pig Improv, um, who teaches improv to grown-ups of all stripes and people of all stripes. So welcome, Jesse. It's so good to see you. Hi, Christy. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yes, it's lovely to be here. I'm just so I'm I've been looking forward to this because um because improv it's fun. You get to play. I, I am so glad you said that. <laughs> <laughs> that is one great response to uh to, to the word improv and uh but I I have to admit there are a lot of people who don't have that response. Really? Uh, they, have, they have a response of, oh that's scary or oh I'd never do that or Hey, my brother-in-law might be good at that because he's funny. I'm not, and uh, so there's there are so many who uh, don't, you know, welcome this. And uh, I spend a lot of time sort of educating folks and getting them um, acclimated to the world of improv. And it may not be what they initially thought it was. So thank you for having me and letting me. Tell a little bit about that. Oh, yeah. I, I, I think it's um, important for us to have an understanding of, of play and how that relates to us. So. Right. Gosh, as adults, uh, we, we put it aside. We put it behind some other things that are more uh, responsible. You know, we have, uh, we have our commitments and our calendars and our responsibilities and sometimes we forget to play or how to play or even where we can go and do that in a safe way and um, and we start losing that kind of in our early teens when people start telling us to grow up you know or we start looking forward to being 18 and I can get out of here and 21 so I can drink and do whatever I want and and we put those play times away and gosh it's too bad because we really have to go through some stuff to get back to it sometimes we do don't we yeah yeah and then and you know and again when we're we're teenagers we're adolescents all of a sudden we become overly concerned with what other people think too yes Yes, and that's a big part of oh, the radiating courage really has to do with the courage it takes to be who you are and to be authentic. And uh, improv commands that. It begs you 
to be who you are in every moment. And you might put a thin veneer of, of character or situation on it, but you're really being very vulnerable. And um, your experiences are what you bring to the scene or the game. Let me, let me back up just a moment and talk a little bit about what improv is and what it isn't. Because um, long ago in Los Angeles, there was a famous comedy club called The Improv. And everybody went there and came from there, and we had big, huge comedians. And those were all stand-up routines. And uh, those were all stand-up comedians. And improv is very different from stand-up com comedy. Stand-up comedy is something that is honed alone. And it is honed. It is practiced. It is timed. It is very specific to land that story, land that punch. And um, an improv is kind of the actual opposite of that. Usually, improv happens with a group of people. And um, ideally, those people have a certain skill set um, that, uh, that you work on in improv. It's a craft. And with that skill set, then you work together to do something that is completely unscripted, that has never been seen before, and cannot be recreated ever again. And so uh, it's kind of a magical world, but it's done with other people. And uh, we've all heard a little bit about Second City, where all the Saturday Night Live players come from. And Second City used improv to create sketch comedy which is written down and has these very broad characters and, and, um, and that gets honed and practiced and performed. The roots of it may have come from an improv scene, but the improv was just made up on the spot. So improv is about running around without a script. Right. Without rehearsal. And <laughs> without rehearsal. Mm -hmm. That can be super scary. To people, it's especially scary to actors. Oh, oh my goodness, actors don't like improv. Um, if they didn't start out in improv, uh, they're unlikely to come to to it. Uh, it's there's great comfort in a beautifully written script that was crafted in home um, behind a character, behind a narrative. You know what's coming next? And you can prepare for what's on page 32 because you have beats and steps and arcs and, you know, and so there is a path to a thing that you are striving for. And, um, and so to take away that script and to ask folks to just see what happens next. <laughs> It's, pre it's pretty frightening. <laughs> Especially for someone whose bread and butter is from rehearsing a thing until you get it down pat and can replicate it the same way every night for every performance. Yes, whether you feel it or not. Right. Right. <clears throat> and I have, I have been there. I was an actor for many, many years, a scripted actor. Mm -hmm. For many, many years, and I still love it. I love, I go to the theater, I cheer my friends on, I think they're wonderful, wonderful things happening yeah. in theater. <clears throat> um, and then I took this little path of improv, and I... Yes, how did you get into that? Wow. Um, many, many years ago, when I was living in Los Angeles, this was in the late 80s, um, I had an acting teacher there in L.A. who was... Uh, who was very um, astute at teaching a, a technique called the, uh, from Sanford Meisner. And Meisner technique is very improv-based. <clears throat> Excuse me, it's um, all the scene work, all the emotions, everything. There's no script. You're not doing scenes that are already written. You're just doing improv. And I did, I did a few years of that, and I loved it so much. And I didn't really know what I was doing. I didn't realize, ooh, improv. Um, and then many years later, I, I got to the San Francisco Bay Area, 
and did uh, a number of shows and so forth and took some classes. And then uh, in 2013, I quit my job. I quit a big fancy corporate job. Why? For many reasons. <laughs> so, so many reasons. But part of it was just my spirit called for it. It was time. Yeah, yeah it was time. And, uh, and I really didn't know what I was going to do. And I landed in a quite lovely situation where um, I could afford to be there without having a big full-time job. And so I went back out exploring for, exploring for improv. And I found a lovely little theater in Oakland called Pan Theater. And it was small, and it was intimate, and it was a great learning ground, and you got on your feet right away. And so I learned a different style of improv with them. Um, and I dove in and took all the classes everywhere in San Francisco. San Francisco's and Oakland are just saturated with improv. So I took all the workshops, all the classes. I spent all my time and money on improv. And I loved it. And I started teaching at Pan. And I started running the theater when the owner was absent and, uh, and directing the troupe. And I just couldn't get enough of it. But I knew in my heart that I really wanted to have my own studio. And so, but I didn't want to do it in the Bay Area. First, it was so very expensive. And second, it was so saturated. Right. And so I thought, well, the next best place I know of is Wichita. Because there isn't a learning center in Wichita for improv. Right. And it's my hometown. And I had been gone for 35 years, and my mother had aged, and it was time to come home and spend some great time with her. And so I packed my things up, and I came back to Wichita and immediately started finding a place and putting out flyers and making this thing happen. And so it's been two years now. Um, April 20th will be uh, uh, the second anniversary of Flying Pig Improv. Congratulations. Thank you. And it has been delightful. People come. And so we were talking about actors earlier and how they don't come. <laughs> I, it, that doesn't surprise me. This town is full of actors who aren't coming to improv. I'm okay with that. Because the people who do come to improv, they're engineers and bartenders and parents and therapists and um all kinds of folks are coming to improv just like they did when in Oakland. I, I couldn't believe how many city planners and military personnel and everybody was coming. And because everybody has a yearning for something, right? A, a need to express themselves, a need to be creative a need to get back to something that was fun and and it's scary to take that step kind of back and accept that you're a full-grown adult who wants to play <laughs> and um, so they come and I try to make it as easy as possible for them I do drop-in classes on Saturday mornings and literally, uh, until I had to limit the class number, um, you just walk up, walk in, and take an improv class. The first one's free. How hard is that? I mean, I just the doors open. Come here. Yeah, no doubt. Until they tiptoed in and looked around to see if it was okay, and it turned out to be a room full of people who were getting to know each other and laughing and having a great time and to join into that uh, is much easier that way. And so we play some games. Everybody's played some of these games at some church camp or Girl Scout camp or uh, icebreakers at some corporate shindig. They're known games. Um, and every once in a while we'll surprise you with one you don't know. But uh, to play them and to not be judged about it, everybody's doing it for the first time, or everybody has done it for the first time at some point. 
and you look around and see people genuinely having a good time. The shoulders come down and the laughter comes out and at the end of the thing they go, I didn't know it was going to be like this. I thought it was going to be hard and I thought I was going to have to be funny. And I always say, you were funny. You just didn't have to try. We don't want you to try to be funny. So. Right. Take that pressure off. And so why would engineers and professors and bartenders and hairdressers want to learn improv? There's a couple of reasons. One might be there's a little hidden hand in there. Right. Yeah, I mean, who else is inviting you to come and do something in front of other people where they might laugh and applaud, right? There might be a little hidden ham in there, and that's okay. We've all got it. There's also the possibility that something's missing, and we can't quite put our finger on it. And if you keep ignoring that and putting it back and putting it back, then that thing starts to become like a, you know, like a a boulder. And it gets bigger and harder, and the more you try to move around it, the grumpier you get, and then you become one of those people who says, well, that's just the way it is. It's never going to change, right? You've met those people. They have a huge boulder that they didn't take care of, yeah, but yeah. it was a pebble. Right, absolutely. So... People have a yearning. Yeah. They might yearn to play. They might yearn for a time when they did a high school play. They might yearn for a time when they were sitting on a park bench watching some kids have a great time building a fort. Right? And if we take care of that yearning, if we listen to it, we will find our way to things that will excite us will will give us a place to release some creativity will give us a an opportunity to do something a little risky right um a thrill and some of those people get hooked like i did right they get hooked and they take all the classes and they audition for the troupe and they start performing and their lives really change. There is a confidence in them. There is uh, just knowing that they have some chops at something new, that they have other people that they can rely on and who have their back and they have someone else's back. So there's a huge support system in improv. You, your partners are everything. And you are everything to your partners. And uh, that's one of the really thrilling things about improv to me is when I say, I've got your back, I mean it. I mean, I am going to take care of you. I'm going to get you out of that mess. I'm going to come in and justify your mistake. I am going to sing a song for you until you can get your bearings. I'm going to do that. I've got your back. And that is a great feeling to have. It is a great feeling to have. So people might come with some curiosity and then they go, hey, this is a pretty interesting activity. I think I'll come back again. And then they come back again. And then they enroll in the short form class, which is all the improv games, the fun games like party quirks and lines from a box and and the games that we see on whose line is it anyway. And then they stay and they get into long form, which is unscripted theater. And that, to me, is dessert all day. It's being in made-up worlds that are real and and imaginary, and you get to inhabit 
lives of people who are in these scenes in a way that I don't remember having done that since I was a kid. It is the ultimate make-believe. Yes. Yeah. And it's super fun. And it's, you know, it's not like you get all lost. It's not, not, all, it's not a big psychological, you know, head game thing. It's, it's not therapy. Um, please don't come to improv to fix yourself in that way. It's just that somebody says something and then you say something back. And then a scene starts to take place and somebody brings a brick and somebody brings another brick and another brick and pretty soon in a couple of minutes you have a castle that you're living in and the whole world has become much clearer as to who you are and who they are and what you're doing here and this little slice of life and the relationship between those characters. And it's just... Uh, Wow, it's it's thrilling. It's thrilling, and uh, some of us can't get enough of it. It's pretty fun. So, what kind of transformation do you see in people who study this with you? You know, uh, I have gotten some amazing letters from people who have emailed me or sent me actual letters yeah. saying they that they didn't know what was missing. And that the next day, after they took their first improv class, the next day, people asked them, hey, what's up with you? You look different. You feel different. <clears throat> and for some people, it's that fast. Um, for some people, it takes a little bit longer. And they start to notice that they're making more eye contact and they are able to respond to what was actually said instead of what they perceive from their own filtered perspective. Right. Right? If someone says, um, uh, I, I want to... Uh, I want to I, I, I want to buy your car right if that's a, a line in the scene I want to buy your car and uh, in real life uh, your answer might include a lot of things besides really you want to buy my car that's great I need to sell my car right that would just be a clear right here right now answer right but it might be you want to buy my car? What, like, uh, you want to own my life? You want to uh, take over everything I've got and act bigger and better than me by having my car? Like, you can drag a bunch of crap with you, right? Um, and people, people do that all the time. It's never about the thing. It's always about the past and the future. And uh, improv makes you stay right in the moment. You want to buy my car? You have just made my life better. I have, oh, how can I thank you, right? Whew, right into that very moment about how I feel about you wanting to buy my car rather than all the crap that I'm dragging with me. Right, right, right. So, People start taking some of these improv skills and they realize that they apply to life too. You want to stay in the moment. You don't want to drag the history and the future in. You want to make some eye contact and feel comfortable not only looking at other people, but being looked at. Just allowing that to happen without mm, all kinds of, you know, twitches and plastered faces and stuff. You, you can be relaxed in being seen. Mm -hmm. You can take your time in responding. You can even repeat what the other person said in case you didn't hear it correctly. You're listening not just to the words. 
but to the whole person. Their voice, the way their shoulders are set, the speed at which they're speaking to you, the tone is everything, right? The words almost don't matter. Oh, interesting, yeah. Right? If I say to you, that's a great sweater, I can say it as if I mean it genuinely, that's a great sweater. But the same words, that's a great sweater. Or, or um, yeah, that's a great sweater. Which is kind of creepy, right? It's kind of creepy. <laughs> so, so the words don't really matter that much. It's the tone and how it's coming towards you. And you get to take that in and read all of that and then respond to that. You can even say, that was creepy. (laughs) (laughs) Or, you sound jealous. Or, hey, thanks, I just got it yesterday. Right? Depending on what what you feel. Instead of just, yes, thank you all the time being polite right we stop being polite we start being real and in the moment in the moment that is a very good way to be i think is in the moments because that's when everything happens and um (laughs) and you can actually um you know that's that's i think that's an important life skill Yes, and it's a challenge, too, because we don't spend much time in the moment. There are lots of really wonderful practices in the world that ask us to be in the moment. Yoga and meditation and acting and everything. And yet it's really challenging to do because your brain can go ten places at one time. One exercise that I give people, because they always ask me, well, what can I do on my own to get better? And I say, um, when you're doing something by yourself, when you're taking a shower, for instance, that is the ultimate by yourself activity. Pretty much, yeah. And um, when you're in the shower, how much time in that shower do you usually spend on your calendar and thinking about what's gonna come right after this shower or throughout the day, or what happened yesterday in the way you wish you'd said it, right? We had this confrontation and oh, God, I wish I'd said or oof, man if I don't pick those kids up at three I'm gonna you know they're gonna ding me again and they'll never let me leave the kids there again and you know so your brain's a million places how about the next shower you just be in the shower you just smell the shampoo while you're doing it you feel your scalp you feel the temperature of the water and see, like, it doesn't just hit you and fall off and bounce off. It trickles down your body. See if you can trace that down your body. And I guarantee you that your mind will wander. And you'll go back to your calendar and your recipe. And when you realize that you're doing that, smell the shampoo again. Right? Bring yourself back to this moment. And just see how long you can sustain that. The periods will get longer and longer over time. The first one's going to be a real challenge. Then you take that out into the kitchen and make yourself a cup of coffee. And while you're making your cup of coffee, just feel the weight of the kettle. Mm -hmm. And smell the aroma. And hear the sound of the refrigerator as you open it. And just be completely immersed in the activity that you are actually doing and allow your brain to rest for a moment from all the activity it wants to log Mm -hmm. you have time to do that later you're not going to fail because you took two minutes to smell the coffee Mm -hmm. you can do that later just do this one and it will lead to the next thing and the next thing and once you get a taste of that 
you so look forward to the next time when you can do that again. And it might just be getting in the car. It might just be, you know, petting your cat a different way. Mm -hmm. How many times do we come and go, you know, to the dog, hey, buddy, how's it going? Let's get some food. And just, we have this routine that we have with them. What if you just scoop them up and smell them? Right? You, you make this sound so zen. Ha. It is kind of. It is kind of. Yeah. Kind of zen, zen, right? I can imagine what it might be like to teach improv to a bunch of Zen monks. That wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't that be something and what I could learn from them. Right. Because I know I'm just scratching the surface. And <clears throat> some of these things that, you know, when I'm talking about the weight of the coffee pot and the smell of the coffee, we take that moment and we then turn it into space and object work. And so I'm memorizing everything about the weight of something and the the texture of an orange. And if I scrape my thumb along it and I smell it, oh, I can't wait for that orange. I'm going to put that in my lunchbox, right? It gives me life in improv because I'm never, they're never going to be an orange on the stage. I'm never going to wear a cape. I'm never going to have a candelabra. So all those things I have to bring to it. Mm -hmm. And so I want to absorb everything around me. And there are going to be scenes where something is going to break my heart. And I may not have had my heart broken recently. So I have to hang on to some of those feelings and thoughts, just like I memorized the weight of the coffee pot, I'm taking in the feelings that I'm actually having and holding on to them so I can bring them back when I need them. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. So the Zen part of it, there is a, a level of that and then I have motive on top of it, <laughs> on top of it, I have motivated Zen. I, I want to use all of those experiences later as well. So it, this in the moment thing really, it just keeps, it's sort of a meta thing. It keeps happening on top of itself. Right, right. Um, and so, yes. using motive, using moments to create new moments. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Remembering those things. And and that is why it's sad that actors won't come to improv. And I, I won't harp on it all day long. But those are such sensual things that you could bring back to your acting. And yeah. uh, and and one day when I've you know, when I've done the marketing and the school's running like crazy and all that stuff, I'm gonna go after those actors. <laughs> Because I think this is something that is uh, that can't hurt them. No, and, absolutely, it can only can help them. It might actually help. Yeah, might improve their craft. Support for the Radiate Wellness Podcast is made possible in part by listeners like you. Would you like to support this podcast? Visit radiatewellnesscommunity.com/podcast for more information. And so um, I just have to ask, because you're doing this in Wichita, is Wichita a good place to be doing that? I am pleasantly surprised at who has been showing up for improv. And there were, some, you know, I, I came back to a boatload of friends here. I went to college here and did theater here for a number of years. Yeah. And then I left and I came back and they and, and people were here. They had either left and come back or had been here the whole time. It's fantastic. It was like a big happy reunion. And um and they've been very supportive and they've come, you know, 
and seen shows and so forth. But almost everybody who walks through my front door is a stranger. And the age range is amazing. Is it really? Yes. Yes. Um, generally, uh, in the world of improv, and you know, you go to towns like Chicago or San Francisco, and it is a lot of young men, usually between the ages of 22 and 30, doing improv. And they are hurting for women to come through the door to do improv. And some do, some don't. It might be because I am a woman, um, and I welcome everybody, and I'm older, um, that the young people come because they're going to come. And the women come because it feels safe. And I'm talking to, you know, people uh, from, a, you know, from a, a perspective of age and, and uh, uh, I don't know, generosity, I guess. And, uh, and so I've got the young people. I have uh, folks who are in their 30s to about 45. And then we jump from 50 to 70. And uh, it's amazing and wonderful. People are finding a new craft and hobby to work on. And every day they um, get up and want to do improv. I'm delighted. It doesn't surprise, I mean, I guess it surprises me in some ways. Wichita's big enough, though, to handle this. And there are a couple of improv troops uh, that, that perform regularly in Wichita. Say What is wonderful. They're, they uh, play out in Kichai, and then now they're going to be down at the Looney Bin downtown. And I like them. They're funny. They do, um, they do good stuff. The colleges have improv troops. And... Um, and there are a few straggler independent improv people around who are, haven't quite come in yet. But um, I've been pleasantly surprised at how it's been received and, and delighted at who walks through that door every day. It's, 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 uh, it's always a surprise to me. I love it. Sure. And yeah. so do you find yourself having to do a lot of education about what improv is and why anybody would want to do it? Yeah, there is that. Because like I said, um, folks have an idea that it might be stand-up comedy, which to me, I've, I've done a little stand-up, and it's scary, and it's alone. And <laughs> that's, that, was, that was the painful part for me. Um, or that it's sketch comedy, like Saturday Night Live. We don't get to see a lot of improv, right? We get, we get whose line is it anyway? And Netflix had um, a few shows of a, a, a improv duo called Middle Ditch and Schwartz. Oh yeah, yeah. And they did long form. So if you you know if you happen to get in on that, you got to see a little bit of long form. But you don't get to see the improv very much around here. Right. And now, now it's more important than ever. Um, that we keep the improv tradition going because so many of the theaters in Chicago shut down in the past year. And we have lost institutions of improv. And my greatest hope is that now that the, you know, they're starting to dig their way out of the rubble, that someone will pick those torches back up and bring them back because um, Chicago was decimated. In terms of the improv. Oh yeah, oh yeah. New York theater was decimated. You know, like all the decim all the theaters just is so sad. And so, um, how do you find that? I mean, it's like you just started this company two years ago, mm -hmm. and so half of the half of your existence has been in the time of COVID. Yes. Right. Woo Woo yeah, how did that how did that whole thing just kind of blow up for you I didn't plan on that well, um, no that's not part of your business plan <laughs> and I had a business plan it looked really good on paper <laughs> um, you know I spent because it was the end of March it's just about this time when they ordered us to shut down 
And I thought, oh, okay, well, sure, I'll do my part. I didn't know it was going to be the rest of the year. Right, this um, long. Nobody did. Nobody. And for when it started dragging on a little bit, I got a little like, hey, why am I, what, hey, this I isn't how it's supposed to go. Right, exactly. And I really struggled with it. Um, I don't, I, it's a weird thing for an improviser to say, but I don't really stay abreast on current events. I don't watch much television and I don't, uh, I don't watch any news because I, 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 it gets in my head. And so I'm relying on instinct, you know, and I was just fighting with myself. And here's the number one rule in improv. And people will say it's called yes and. Right. Accept the situation and add something to it. And um, that is a good rule of thumb. I, I like to go a little deeper in yes and. Accept the situation. You don't have to like it. You don't have to agree with it. But you have to be willing to say, this is what's happening. If someone walks up to me on stage and says, get those elephants out of here. I have to accept that I have brought elephants into an area where they're not supposed to be. Now, I can be all angry about it or I can be all jovial about whatever, it doesn't matter. But the fact is, there are elephants here, I brought them here and they're not supposed to be here. <laughs> and that's how I felt about the whole pandemic. I had to first accept that it was actually happening. I know that sounds... like I, I'm, you know, insane, but I had to accept that it was happening. And then I had to find ways to add something to it. And the way I could add something to it, since I couldn't do improv, um, I found ways to volunteer in my community. Yeah. And I found people who needed to be listened to people who were under a great deal of stress and needed listening. Um, I found that I could uh, take some feral cats in and get them spayed and neutered so that I could make a difference in my neighborhood. I just found ways to make a difference yeah. while I'm accepting the fact that we are locked down wearing masks. We can't touch each other. We can't visit each other. We can't gather. We can't laugh. We you know, blah, 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 all the things that everybody was going through. So I spent a, a lot of time not doing improv and not even like I did it online for a little while, trying to teach classes online. And there were so many people doing that that they didn't need me doing it. And it and it didn't make me happy. So instead, I started taking classes online <laughs> from other people. And um, and then I opened up briefly in July, August, and September. Of, no, August, September, October of last year. Mm -hmm. uh, because I wanted the troupe to be able to stay cohesive and um, keep their skills up. So we had troop practice, and I invited people to come and see little shows. And I felt like I was doing that under the, you know, under the radar kind of like I was sneaking it in. And then the numbers started to climb again and I went, we can't even do that. So I shut it back down again. And it just opened up again, first of March. So it hasn't been a big year of income, but it has been a huge year of growth, like personal growth. And um, my spirit slid way down. I'm not any good without momentum. I'll just flat out tell you that. I thrive on momentum, and I didn't have any, and it got, uh, I didn't know where I was going to get it. Um, it has really revived in the last two months as I start thinking about, oh, we're going to get together again. We wear face shields still, and we're still distancing in the studio. It's a big enough studio we can do that. But just the thought of being able to do it and the thought of being back with people was the momentum and the motivation that I needed to get going again. And so now 
I've stopped whining about everything. And I'm focused on the front. Um, just to, to, it's important to me that people come through the door not because I need to make up revenue, but because they need to be together. They need to look in each other's eyes. They need to have laughter in the same room with another human being. They need to take a risk. They need to shake off that that howl of, you know, something you can hide under. Right. You can shrug it off and get out here and get back to life, and 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 not go back to normal. Let's just get on the other side of this and go forward with bigger and better stuff. Yeah. With more courage, with more stamina, with more than we ever thought we could go through. We did. And we're continuing to do that. And now we know we have that. <laughs> to take forward. Absolutely. Yeah. What What are some of the next chapters for Flying Pig? Oh, well, April 20th is our official anniversary. And I'm going to say this out loud right now. I want to have a all-city improv jam uh, to celebrate that that week. Fine. Yeah, so to get improvisers in from whatever troop or college group or, mm -hmm. you know, the, the new people in town, they should just come. And we're going to play games they all know, and we're just going to have fun. And um, that's all I can say about that. Um, and there will be uh, troop auditions in June. I'm yeah. giving people some chance to get the classes taken and get the foundation down. And then they can audition for the troupe. And so I'm going to rebuild that. And then we're going to have some shows. And then people are going to line up to see the shows. And they're going to, then they're going to want to take the classes. Because they'll look at that and go, I think I could do that. Because they can. It just takes that little bit of courage to step over the threshold. Yeah. I love that. You know, I'm... Just looking at your website right now, and there's just so much great stuff out here. I was looking at the uh, the shows and stuff that's like, yeah, what, what is out here when people yeah, are doing shoes and shows and what it's going to look like when it comes out. Um, looking at like well there's the the who and you and your 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 stuff here your no. um your story and i'm looking at, at the why why would we want to do that yeah why would we want to do we have a creative itch and we, exactly. we seek thrills and we oh my goodness we want to feel something I'm so tired of not feeling anything every day, you know? And um, I think that that is the thing that, like, I miss the most. Um, I, I'm a, I, some people would be surprised to hear me say that I am an introvert. I like my alone time. I love my downtime. It takes a lot of alone time for me to be this public, right? <laughs> And even I, and I live alone. I love living alone. Yeah. And I'm practiced at it. And I, I look forward to it every day. And even I had trouble with uh, being so isolated and, and lacking human con contact. Right. And uh, Zoom is great. And the phone is fine. But there's just nothing like looking in somebody's eyeballs and making a connection and saying the next thing. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And you do have such 
wonderful things that are out there, which we will be able to do this yeah. one of these days, you know, of course, and it's, it's happening in, you know, in a safe way that it's going on, going on right now. And, um, you know, just, just wonderful things such as the drop-in classes again, yeah, the short form classes, the long form classes, yeah, improv boot, boot camp. Boot camp is really fun. After you've taken all the series of classes, because I really do want people to have a strong foundation. I'm a foundation girl. I am the wax on, wax off kind of girl. I want everybody to have the foundation. And then come be in the troop and exercise all those skills. But the boot camp is about three weeks before auditions. And people come and we run drills. It's like, you know, like the calisthenics of, of improv. And it's super fun. It goes super fast. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, like 10 characters in 60 seconds. I set a timer. And every six seconds I go, next, next. And they have six seconds to do a character. And then it goes in the next six seconds they have another character, completely different character. And it's just a hoot. Because uh, at that speed, at that... Uh, that much uh, repetition you're bound to fail and failure is one of the things we applaud the loudest <laughs> I haven't even talked about making mistakes we love mistakes because right. mistakes are what will keep you on your toes in improv and we run our regular life trying not to make any mistakes or if we do make mistakes trying not to let anybody know it was us <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Which is kind of uncomfortable. Yeah. And so in improv, the moment you make a mistake, you just throw your hands in the air and yell, I failed. And everybody cheers because we're all going to do it. If you're afraid to make a mistake, then you're afraid to do the next thing. Yeah. Because you're afraid to make a mistake. So, we don't want to be afraid of anything. Uh, we want everything to be possible. So, cheer it. Get used to it. Fail so many times that it doesn't scare you anymore. You know, it reminds me of, I think it may have been... Um, not Einstein. Um, oh, the the inventor guy. I cannot remember. Edison. Thank you. Yeah. Who said I have found you know so many ways that this didn't work, but I found the way that it did work. That you learn so much more from how you learn how it doesn't work. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And having that, you know, we radiating back to courage, uh -huh. finding the way to find the, the courage there and finding out that, yeah, you can do this and you can fail and you can screw up. Yeah. Life is on. That's the thing. The courage, the courage part comes in in so many places here. The courage to just, like I said, step across the threshold <laughs> and to enter the room and then the courage to participate and the courage to feel whew, way out of your comfort zone sometimes. Right. And the courage to come back. And the courage to fail. To take a risk. Yeah. To do it in front of other people. To be looked at while you're doing it. <laughs> and, uh, and the courage to even ask yourself, what do I want? What do I need as a person? Right. Um, to know that there's something in there. Because if you ignore this stuff long enough, you're going to end up with a big, giant midlife crisis on your hands. You just are. And you don't even have to wait until you're middle-aged to have it. About once every seven years, you're due for a crisis. And we call it a crisis because we've tamped it down for so long it just explodes out of us. It doesn't have to be a crisis. 
Yeah. It could just be a, an exploration. Yeah. I mean, we've got a whole troop, a whole room full of people that can go through it with you. Yeah. And y'all just fail together. Fail. Big. Do it. You're going to do it in front of the audience, too. One day, you're going to get in a troop, and you're going to get on that stage, and it's going to be a night of crickets. Nobody's laughing. Everything went overboard. You tried too hard. The joke you pulled just didn't make it. Ah, it was just a rotten night, and you're going to live with that. And you're going to learn some stuff from it. And you're going to be okay. And you're going to be okay. Exactly. It's happened to every single person on stage. And I got to say, it's worth it when it does come together. When you look your partner in the eye and they look back and you take the next step together. And that is what you live for as an improviser. And as a person, I think. And I think it's just where adrenaline flows and creativity flows and everything just kind of comes alive out of that moment, too. Yes. Yes, we have them in real life and you can have them at call, on call uh, in improv. Right, right. So... I love that you're teaching improv in Wichita, Kansas, of all places, a wonderful place to be. And um, it, it, it just seems like it's something that's very much needed right now. Oh, yeah. And I love what and you're doing. I, I, yeah. I, I encourage everyone, if you don't have improv near you, it doesn't matter. Find something. Find I have friends who got all signed up for pickleball. They're totally pickleball heads now. It's great. I have other friends who are looking at dance classes, salsa classes, and cha-cha. Go do that. Find a program at the library you're interested in. Find a ukulele society. Find something. And just take the step. Because... Uh, Courage isn't exclusive to improv. It's, you need it for everything. So go find something. Find some fuel. We have gotten so depleted. Go find some fuel. And it will lead to the next thing and the next thing. Well, there you go. <laughs> so I would like to encourage everybody listening, watching, etc., to go check out Flying Pig Improv. And uh, the website is full of wonderful information. Even if you can't get to Wichita, Kansas, there's improv somewhere. And the, just the courage to step outside who you are and to step into something that's not quite in your comfort zone because it's worth it. Right, right. And uh, Christy, I just want to thank you and uh, Radiate Wellness for uh, opening up, you know, to something that is not, would not normally be on the list of uh, things to explore uh, in the world. And, and that I could probably say the same thing about your services and your people it may not be the the you know it may not be everywhere it may not be um, usual um, so step out and try a new technique a new uh, a new method a new something um, to take care of some of our our known issues and our our, our known things that we're pulling out of after a year of oh, a year of funk I mean because it's lit, it's it's literally something we all need to just shake off of ourselves right no matter how we do it yeah. 
All right. So radiating courage, that's what it's all about. And Jesse, thank you so much for spending this time with me and breaking it down and talking about something new and different to get yourself out of that funk. A wonderful time. Thank you. Radiate Wellness is a community of holistic and alternative healers and consultants based in the Kansas City area dedicated to helping you create spiritual, energetic, and physical well-being. To learn more about our practitioners, services, classes, and events, or to schedule an appointment, visit us at radiatewellnesscommunity.com. Do you ever feel that calling that you should be doing more with your life? If you're unhappy with the status quo, I can help. My name is Elias Patras, and I'm an intuitive motivator, psychic medium, and motivational speaker. I know that feeling, and on my podcast, Your Inner Voice, I can help you answer that call to step into your life's purpose. I will show you how to recognize and listen to the signs and signals that are all around us and help you tap into your intuition. Join me for the show here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and wherever you get your podcasts. Let's connect, educate, and grow on this journey together.